0: Happy Mother's Day. Okay, well, fine. All right, good. (laughs) Last night in our small group, uh, the group, uh, they were speaking of uh, Darren's message last week and what passion and authority he used to deliver that message. I think you can get too much passion and authority, and um, today we're going to take a break from all that authority and passion, and I'm just going to talk to you about mothers, and um, give you five concepts, not too profound, about the fact that mothers are people too. Lisa Zamoski joined a mommy group of smart, educated, professional women to support each other. She pushed her stroller up to the place where strollers are supposed to be left for the group. She starts to unfasten her little boy from the stroller. And breathing down her neck, she senses a presence of another mom who says to her, Surely, that isn't Cheeto dust on the fingers of your child. She quickly grabbed for a wipe to whisk away the maternal shame, the evidence that she was feeding her child junk food. But it was too late. She had been nailed by the other mothers as ineffective and inappropriate and defective in her mothering that she should give a child a Cheeto. She decided maybe it wasn't the group for her. But what an example of how mothering is kind of a spectator sport in some ways. We have all these expectations and high standards uh, of, of a mother and what she should be able to do. But, you know, mothers are people too. We act like there's this mother stratosphere where birthdays come easily and remembering everyone's uh, shoe size and birthday and anniversary and what uniquely irritates each daughter-in-law. We just expect them uh, to know that. Uh, we, We expect mothers to love all and to never have a bad day no matter how sick the children are late the husband or annoying his mother can be we expect mothers to be eager and enthusiastic with their children even when they start to date losers or pierce every part of their body, or tattoo their skin beyond recognition, butcher their hair, and wear fashions from third-world countries that make it look like they're being raised in a third-world country. We just expect mothers to do it all with a great attitude and a smile, to endure all, be all, play the role, be the icon, But in reality, mothers aren't just holding a position or they're not just being in a structure. They are people, too, with real feelings down inside and real needs that need to be met. So we give them a day. (laughs) That's it. They get a day. One little measly day. So, happy Mother's Day, mothers. (laughs) You know, great mothers do some things that only mothers can do. says that right in your outline that I prepared for you two weeks ago. Right there it is. Great mothers do certain things only mothers can do. Only a mother can show that pain and suffering and inconvenience and swollen ankles and morning sickness and incontinence. And the torture of childbirth is worth bringing you into this world. (laughs) Only a mother would be willing to endure that for you. Only a mother can show that when you're in a state of 100% helplessness, 100% dependency, that she will be there for you to meet your needs and to take care of you. We learn so much about the world from that very first relationship with a mother. Only a mother can provide that unconditional love from conception and and through pregnancy and then childbirth and then on into adulthood. It is the longest, most vital relationship that we will ever have. It is the most constructive that we will have. And a mother is so different than a father. I'm married to the best mother I know. I thought she was a great mother last year. This past year, she should enter the hall of fame in what I saw in her mothering this past year. It's just so different than me. When one of the kids get, gets hurt, I walk in. Where was the infraction? Where did it occur? Where is it hurting? Who is responsible? Who needs to be punished for this? And she comes in and just picks up the child. And love very, very different approach i 'm so grateful that God had this idea for the uniqueness of mothers to prepare for this message. I searched the literature, I searched through volumes of history actually I googled to find um, <laughs> to find an example of godly motherhood, the example that that is, is kind of like the ultimate that shows what God means for a mother to be and there in the literature it was the mother of Dumbo the elephant other than naming her child Dumbo uh, she was a wonderful mother here was this little elephant born with macrotia the the, uh, enlarged ear defect that, that it had and, and you know back in those days of cartoons there were no autoplasticians that could do ear reduction surgery but she didn't care she loved little Dumbo and she protected Dumbo and instilled in him that desire to make the best out of the the very worst and and when others might have just allowed him to flippy-floppy around. She was there to build him up and protect him. When some boys started to tug on his huge ears, she went into what is known as elephantine rage. Last week it was in time days. This week elephantine rage. What a what a change. But but she went into this rage and they arrested her. They thought she was crazy. But because of what she had instilled In Little Dumbo, he took the worst along with Zig Ziglar's I'll See You at the Top and and, uh, at the Big Top. And he learned to fly and, and sail and soar. And I just saw that and I just thought that was just exactly what so many mothers have helped all of us to do. To turn some kind of weakness into a strength. They love us deeply and intensely. And they create greatness in some of us. You know, there are only a couple of men that I respect in this world. And one of them is Darren. And I really, I really believe... I mean, I've been uh, in churches where, uh, you know, they should fire the guy. I mean, it's just, it's just horrible. But I respect Darren. I love being part of this church. And I knew uh, of his dad's greatness... And why Darren had some of the things in him that he had. But in the, over the past few weeks, I got involved in a project with his mother, Janice. Oh my gosh, do not mess with Janice. <laughs> I mean, when you get to know her, you see the other piece of this that that causes this great guy to do the great things that he's doing. I honor Darren's mother, Today, Uh, And and I hope you'll tell her that I did, uh, because uh, I need her on my team. There's a, a great Spanish proverb that says, An ounce of mother is worth a pound of priest. They really believe that around my house. And it is true. Mothers have such an influence on us, because they love us like God loves us 1 Corinthians 13:7 says love never gives up never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstances but mothers are people too they are great people and they deserve our respect they're so smart and wise one little girl went up to her mother and said mom dad said you are wrong really what did he say Well, you say that God created us and made us from Adam and Eve. And Dad said that we evolved from monkeys. And the wise mother said, yes, he was talking about his side of the family. (laughs) These are smart people. And they deserve our respect. There was a a, a police recruit who wanted to be an officer. And he was taking the final test. And they said, okay. Okay. So what are you going to do if you are forced in this horrible situation to go in and arrest your mother? And he said, I'm calling for backup. (laughs) Mothers are are great to the degree that we support and we respect them. And one of the greatest things, if not the greatest thing, that a father can do is to show respect and support For the mother of the children. Because that is showing the son how to love the future mother of his children. And it is also showing a daughter a model of the kind of love that she can be and should be looking for. What I'm saying is how we support and how we respect a mother becomes destiny for our children. And so we cannot... Honor and respect and support mothers enough. One strong mother wrote this. I am not your friend. I am your mother. I will stalk you. I will flip out on you. I will lecture you. I will drive you insane. I will be your worst nightmare. And I will hunt you down like a bloodhound when needed because I love you. When you understand that, I will know that you are a responsible adult. You will never find someone who loves, prays, cares, and worries about you more than I do. Mothers deserve our support and our respect. They become great with it. Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's how we need to think about mothers, is to focus on those great and wonderful attributes. Because it is not easy being a mother. Mothers are real people. Some people think that mothers are mere guinea pigs in an experiment to prove that life can be sustained without sleep. First, they deliver us obstetrically. And then, they deliver us by automobile for the rest of our teen years. They get no rest. But, not all mothers are alike. Or likable. Or like Jesus. Because mothers are people too. There's some really crummy examples of mothers. In the Bible... There's kind of the mother of all bad mothers, and her name is Athalia. Athalia, her son, was going to be king, but he got killed. Rather than her mourn his death, she wipes out the rest of the family, all the descendants, including the grandchildren. She missed one who would later be king. But she wipes everybody else out so that she could become the ruler of Israel. And she did. She's the only female that was ever ruler over Israel. She did it for six years. But she's kind of the ultimate example of bad mothers out of the Bible. In history, we see all sorts of bad mothering. In the news today, it is not uncommon to see examples of horrific mothering. There's this, um, this one thing uh, called Munchausen syndrome by proxy, where a mother injures her child or sickens her child so that she can receive attention and sympathy for caring for this child. And there have been some horrific examples of that. We can see it uh, every day. One person said that the evidence of bad mothering is perfectionism and impatience and lack of nurturing, obsessed with staying young, partying, being self-centered, obsessively materialistic and self-destructive. Obvious signs of a crummy mother. Not all mothers are like Jesus, are likable. But over this past year, I have become so sensitive to a type of defective mothering. It has broken my heart to see one of the forms of mothering that is so sick and not so obvious. And it comes in the form of enabling evil to exist in the home. The mother that looks the other direction that allows something horrible to exist, excuses it, ignores it, lets it happen, looking the other way out of fear, keeping the peace, maintaining status quo. I heard of an example of a young Girl who was being sexually molested and as she was being molested she saw her mother walk through an open doorway and see what was happening and rather than intervene and call the police and and do something she said she watched her mother look the other way and walk away what a horrible thing Sometimes to be a mother, a godly mother, you have to make a bold move and work through your fear and not allow evil to exist in a home. And if you were affected by a mother like that, Philippians 4.9 is a verse for you that says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus, God's a great healer. And some people have been hurt by a defective mother. But there's great healing and hope available through Jesus. Fourth point is that it's never too late to be a godly mother and have a godly influence. It's never too late. Luke one thirty seven says, nothing is impossible with God. If you turn your defective life over to God, God can raise up a godly mother out of it. There's a a wonderful story in 2 Samuel 21. It's kind of a sad story. But it exemplifies motherhood to the very end. It's the story of Rizpah. Rizpah was not the wife of Saul. She was a concubine and he had two sons from their union. When David took the throne, the country remained in famine for three years. And he finally asked God, God, why the famine? And God says, Because Saul tried to kill all of the Gibeonites. And Israel had promised not to to harm them. So David goes to the Gibeonites and says, What could I do to make up for it? And they say, Why don't you wipe out Saul's descendants? And David agreed. And up on a hill, he takes seven descendants, including those two boys that were the, the boys of this concubine. Their names were Armani, which later would become Armani, and the clothing designer, and uh, Mephibosheth, which they called, of course, Meth uh, for short. And these boys were killed up on this mountain to make it right for what Saul had done. And what did their mother do? Rizpah went up to the top of that mountain and she spread her burlap and sackcloth and she stayed there for six months and fought off the birds that would pluck out their eyes and the wild animals that would want to rip their flesh. And six months she stood there and laid there and slept there and died there protecting her boys who had been killed. David was so moved by her dedication and commitment that he took them down and he buried them, gave them a proper burial. He even uh, gave Jonathan and Saul a proper burial because they had not, up until that time, uh, been buried. So this godly mother had an impact even in the death of her boys. What, a, what an amazing story. And so many children of godly mothers are hanging out in the wrong place, are being devoured. And, and you know, all you can do is stay there and love them and not abandon them and not give up when it would be easier to do so. So it's never too late to become a godly mother. It's also never too early. I have always admired those mothers who made a decision to sacrifice long before the baby was even born. Who made a decision that it would be better for someone else to raise their child So that that child would have an opportunity that they could not give them. Jochebed, the mother of Moses, did that. She essentially gave Moses up for adoption. Put him in the basket, put him in the river. Otherwise, he would be killed. And she makes this sacrifice so he could be in a better place. That's what mothers do who allow their children to be adopted. When I was running Women of Faith, one of the speakers was Thelma Wells. And uh, Thelma was raised by her grandmother. And her mother lived in the southern part of Dallas. And she couldn't understand why she was being raised by her grandmother when her mother lived down in southern Dallas. At age seven, she was very forceful and powerful. And she convinced her grandmother that she should go and spend the night with her mother. And she goes down there to South Dallas and discovers that her mother doesn't have a house. She lives in a tent, doesn't have plumbing, doesn't have a bed. She sleeps on a cot. And Thelma wept through the night, afraid and ready to leave and go back. And in the morning, her mother said to her, You see, Thelma, I didn't give you up. I just allowed you to live in a better place than I could never never provide it for you. I see moms doing that all the time, having that kind of courage. Last Saturday, I watched my 22-year-old daughter walk across the stage and get her diploma. Madeline is such a blessing to my life. Thank you. Thank you. $160,000 worth of applause could not cover the cost of that education. But I got to see that because a mother was willing to let Madeline be raised in a home that she couldn't provide. And when Madeline filled out that essay to try to be uh, accepted into that university, she wrote, I was adopted at birth but it always seemed as if it was meant to be. People talk to me and they say, I just can't get over that my parents rejected me and gave me up for adoption. And and when they do that, I'm a very compassionate person. But they're talking to the wrong guy because those parents didn't know who you were when they gave you up. That mother didn't know the person you were going to be. You were a concept of a child. And she just wanted something better. For you there's a woman who has been an inspiration to many uh, adoptive parents and adopted children. She's had an influence all over the globe, and she goes to this church. Um, I'd like you to see her story. Let's watch this.
1: Hi, my name is Sherry Eldridge and I was adopted at 10 days of age. My mother uh, was whisked away after she gave birth, never knew if she had a boy or a girl. And I was put into an incubator uh, because I was so tiny, uh, not touched for 10 days and named baby X. My, uh, My grandmother, Cook, was a social worker during the 1940s and she was the one that carried me into my mom and dad's home. Uh, And I still remember my dad saying, oh, we were at the back of the house and we saw mother come through the door and we ran to meet you and you were so tiny. I could have held you in the palm of one of my hands. They just loved me so much. They did all they could to provide a home and nurturing and opportunities for me. And yet there was this part inside of me that made me curious about my birth family. When I was 21 and had given birth to our second daughter, I was sitting in the OBGYN's office looking at the little pamphlet where they tell about how the baby develops every month. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what a miracle it is to have a baby. And that is the first time I remember thinking about my birth mother. At 47, I just couldn't stand it any longer. My, my mother had, had already died. My dad was nearing death, and I was getting to the point of not having any parents anymore. And so all the questions and curiosities came up, and I knew I had to find my mother. And um, not because my mom and dad weren't great parents, it was just a curiosity in me. It was part of my story. I hired a lady from Michigan, and I had been searching like 23 years, and she found her in two days. My husband and I were invited by my birth mother, we could hardly wait to meet each other. So it started out well, but to make a long story short, um, she was not able to receive the love that I wanted so badly to give her. And that was it, she just didn't want anything more. And so I hung up the phone, started sobbing, and um, just sobbed until the Lord spoke to me during that time. The words of scripture came to mind, and these were the words, Isaiah 49, 15-16, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast, and have no compassion on the child she has born? Yes she may, but I will never forget you, Sherry. See I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls, your life is always before me, I'll never forget you. And so it took me a while to really process that and understand that that was the Lord standing there with me in my deepest fear. And what I realized is that the love and comfort of Jesus is deeper than anything life can throw at me. You know, when you begin to see your life through God's eyes, you will know who you are. And I don't know how much more exciting it can get than that. It's just so wonderful.
0: Mm. Well, (laughs) Sherry, what a great job she does. Never too late to be a godly mother, never too early. And I honor all of those women who have brought a child into this world and allowed them to be raised in a better place. The final point is simply this, and that is that God is a Father who loves us like a mother. He loves us like a mother because mothers are people too, and since people, mothers, are made in the image of God, part of God is reflected. The nature of God is reflected in the love that comes from a mother. Samuel Taylor Coleridge said there is a religion in all deep love but the love of a mother is the veil of a softer light between the heart and the heavenly father and I read that and I thought I have no idea what that means but it sounded so beautiful I wanted to include it and so maybe you could figure out what it means and it would uh, get back to me on that but anyway there's a lot of mother love that comes from God um El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. Actually, the, the root can, can be traced to meaning the many-breasted one, the one that provides all nourishment and, and, uh, and, and su- sustenance to all of us. It's a, it's a feminine, motherly image that we get from God Almighty to nourish and bring us to fruitfulness. Isaiah 66, 13 says, God comforts like a mother, comforts a child. And Deuteronomy 32, 11, like a mother eagle hovering over her young. And Hosea 13:8, God experiences fury of a mother bear robbed of her cubs, like a mother elephant. Uh, anyway, and then uh, Luke 13, 34, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks. Beneath her wings. God doesn't just love us as a strong, protective, wise father. He loves us as a tender, nurturing, comforting mother. And no matter how far away we've drifted or what problems we've been through or caused, God wants to bring us under his protective wings and nurture and protect us. Mother is the name for God on the lips of children. Mothers are the irrefutable truth that evolution is not real. Otherwise, they would have three or four arms sticking out with three or four hands to do all that they do. But they only have two hands to do the work of what it takes with four. They help us to become responsible people and not... Helpless, Uh, they help us to contribute, not to be just consumers. They they teach us to give, and not just to take. They teach us to love, and not to stay in that cold, hard-hearted place that many retreat to. God loves us like a mother, and mothers provide a glimpse of God's love, sacrificially shared with another. Proverbs 31:28 says her children stand and bless her and her husband praises her. But never enough. Mothers deserve so much. They're people too, but they are also angels. And mothers are nurses and ministers and teachers and they are servants and counselors. And sculptors. And sometimes they are exorcists. And they are saints. And so all they get is a day. But it's a good day to honor our mothers. Just like tomorrow is also. So all of us sons and daughters have an opportunity today. To say thank you for showing us what God's love looks like. And I pray that maybe in a unique and different way from ever before, you'll find a way to honor your mother as a son or a daughter. And if you have been hurt in that relationship, that you'll allow God to meet every need that you have especially the need for healing. Pray with me, if you will. Lord, thank you for the fascinating way that you have created mothers so different than fathers. We thank you for the gift of mothers on this day. In your name I pray. Amen.